0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. Isn't that a good song? Amen. It's only the grace of God that Jim Cudd's here today. And Joanne Jones, amen. I remember Miss Joanne's mother. She had a sense of humor, a big sense of humor, amen. And she always gave me a hard time. And she's pleased in heaven because she left a daughter to continue there. Amen. Amen. But I remember one time I was visiting with her and she said, Brother Wayne, you're getting fat. And I looked at her and I said, You know something? That oxygen tube running across that living room to your mouth, I could step on it. <laughs> Amen. And she just laughed. She just laughed. I'll never forget that. She just, we were always ribbing each other. But she um, she was a sweet lady and a singing lady. I'll tell you that right now. She could sing. Loved to do it. If you don't love to sing, don't get up here. Amen? Uh, You ought to love the Lord and love uh, singing. Uh, Luke chapter 15. I'm going to start a series next week on the book of Malachi. Preach every verse, every chapter. Wonderful verse on the coming of the Lord and what you ought to do about it. But I thought in considering our missions revival that I would uh, preach something about souls. And I want to preach on the infinite value of of one soul. Amen. I could say the infinite value of an individual soul. You know, the Lord is not interested in uh, big masses of people, He's interested in one soul. Uh, we ought to be that. Church entity is concerned about money, but Christianity is concerned about souls. I might say religion. Uh, church entity is concerned about worldly prestige. Christians are. Concerned about uh, one soul growing in the grace of God and becoming more like Jesus. Um, church entity is concerned about denominational power. Christianity is concerned about the Holy Ghost power. Um, church entity is concerned about beautiful buildings, um, luxurious sanctuaries. But Christianity is concerned about getting souls ready for the mansions in heaven. And so I want you to know that the world wants to deceive and dilute and detour you from what really counts, and that's one soul getting saved, one soul getting saved. Um, I was the only person that was saved the night that I got saved on March 15, 1964, after a preacher preached on hell so hot so long so dark and so terrible, I didn't want to even go close to that neighborhood. Amen? And I got saved. I was an year old My daddy was an alcoholic. I didn't have anything to offer God. And God saved me. I was the only soul that was saved that night. And you know something? I'm glad I got saved. Amen? I heard of a story right before I get to my text of a lady that was getting engaged, and she had this beautiful... K-Jura box, you know, with the velvet over it, Uh, and the the inside was beautiful velvet also, and she did something very strange. She took the ring, and she threw it away, and she kept the box, because it was so pretty, and that's the way a lot of people are doing. They're throwing away their soul for the pretty outward appearance of this world, For the flesh, the world, and even the devil's uh, uh, endeavors in your life, you're throwing it away. And everything is uh, consumed in these 70 or 80 or 90 years that you live, and you forgot eternity. That's like throwing the diamond out the window. Amen? Your soul is precious. I'm going to prove that in Scripture in just a minute. Uh, Your soul is worth a lot. It's irreplaceable. And if you lose your soul to the devil, you'll never replace it. And it's an immeasurable loss. It's a measurable loss. Let's turn in the Scriptures, Luke chapter 15. And I want to read verses 1 through the whole chapter, but I'm going to cut it short this morning because all of you got a braze hangover and you're about to pass out. Um, But look at uh, chapter 15. And let's start with verse 1. Would y'all please stand and honor the Word of God. Amen. Amen? There'll be no tomahawk chops in here. It's just the Word of God. Say amen. Praise God. The Bible says, And then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. It's good when sinners want to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And so he Gives three parables, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning about how he ought to be with publicans and how he ought to be reaching Pharisees. It's called the worth of a soul. Look at verse three. And he spake this parable unto them saying, What a man is having a hundred sheep. And if he lost one, I wish you'd circle that word, one of them does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness. And go after that which is lost until he find it. Some urgency about that. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Isn't that wonderful that God picked you up where you was at? And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, "Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over, what's the next word, class? One, One sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either uh, what woman having uh, ten pieces of silver and she lose, what's the next word? Four. One piece does not light a candle and sweep the house and Seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends, her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the, the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. Now listen to this. We might as well just read this. I'm having too good a time not to read it. It says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me portions of goods that follow me. And he divided unto them his living. And Not many days after the younger son gathered all things, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he wanted and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and sent into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the hus, that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Isn't that a picture of the world empty, not satisfying? Verse 17, and when he had came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father. That's the reason for these three parables, to show you the perfect father. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. When he had yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in the sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to the servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and a shoe on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us... Eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for these three parables that show the worth of a soul, just one soul, the infinite value of one soul. God help us to never get caught up in numbers or buildings or budgets. But God, help us to get caught up in reaching one soul before it's too late. Lord, thank you for our missionaries, God, that are going after one soul, and then another soul, and then another soul. God, help us to realize many of those souls have never heard like we have all our life, and they need the gospel. So Lord, please bless this message to the hearing of the ear, but also to the heart. And God, help us to realize the value of one. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Souls are worth something. Souls are worth the whole world. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn back to Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. It says, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? So well, the soul's worth more than anything in the world. A soul's worth more than anything. And I want to tell you what. Number one, souls are worth constant concern. What concerns you? If George is going to win, if the Braves are going to win, what concerns you? What we're going to have for lunch? It's amazing that we'll be eating lunch and I'll ask my wife. Says, "What's for supper?" <laughs> we ain't finished lunch yet, amen. We live from meal to meal. Praise God. What's your concern? Well, I wonder what they think of me. Why don't you just die to self? and worry about what they think of God in you. Amen? Amen. wonder how many likes I'll get on Facebook this week. <laughs> you know, I wonder if anybody will put the thumbs up in my life. Folks, you need the approval of God more than you need the approval of man. But what's your concern? I want to tell you what Jesus' concern was. First, Jesus sought after the souls of men. He sought after the souls of men. Um, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, The reason he came to this earth was to seek and to save those that were lost. He also told the story of a man named Zacchaeus, a wee little man, was he? How many remember that from uh, Sunday school, amen? Uh, That was one of my first stories, I I remember, a wee little man. And uh, he looked up in the tree and said, come down, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house, amen? He was concerned about one little old fellow, and that fellow wasn't popular because he was a tax collector, Say, amen, I didn't say an accountant. Miss Stephanie, Brother Cody. I said a tax collector. Y'all, y'all just figure it up. You don't collect it. Amen? If you collected it, we'd have problems with you. No, not really, wouldn't we? Uh, Jesus sought after sinners. And he sought after one little sinner that was a mean sinner, that was a crooked sinner. And I want to tell you why people are mean and crooked and wicked. Because they're sinners. I, I mean, that's their life. I want to tell you something. If you want to cure this world of of all the wickedness and the darkness and the political unrest, win one more soul to Jesus. The value of one. Reach out to one person. You say, well, I want to reach many. Well, you'll never reach many until you reach one. Jesus went to Nicodemus one-on-one. Hey, Jesus went to the woman uh, by the well and she really had a bad reputation. She was a harlot. Living in sin. And he went one-on-one with her and talked to her about the water of life that satisfied. Aren't you glad Jesus was not prejudiced? Aren't you glad Jesus was not discriminatory? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't try to reach the wealthy and the wise to pad his pocket? That's church-anity. That's religion. Folks, Christianity is... You know that sinners sin, and no matter how much they sin, you still love them because Jesus loves them. Amen? Amen. I think about the thief on the cross. He turned to him and said, "Hey, listen. Today, will you be with me in paradise?" That's kind of personal. Amen. And folks, he died for the whole world, but he died for that one lowdown thief. Amen. There's nothing worse than a thief. But why does people steal? Because they're sinners. Amen. They're lost lost people sin. That's a truth you ought to get a hold of, amen? And then I think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He saw Jesus in Stephen's face when he was being stoned. You talk about the valley, you ought to shine in the valley because some Paul might be looking down saying, hey, is Christianity real? And it's easy to be smiling and happy when everything's going good, but when everything's going bad, you need to be faithful you need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because one soul's worth it all. You're either a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Amen? You're either the best Christian they know or you're an excuse for them to go to hell. And I don't want to be an excuse. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. God forbid that I would cause somebody to go to hell because of my inconsistent, unfaithful life. And so, folks, Jesus sought after one sinner again and again and again and again, he left the masses, he left the crowds, and he went after one. I think about Andrew. He never preached a sermon that I know of, never wrote a book. But I will tell you something, he reached Peter, and what did Peter do? He turned the world upside down. Amen? Praise God, friend. Listen, Jesus sought after sinners. Number two, Jesus wept over sinners. Jesus wept over sinners. Look at Matthew chapter 23. What do you weep over? We're doing the Beatitudes. And this Wednesday will be uh, Blessed Are They That Mourn. And I want to tell you, you can judge a person's character almost every time by what makes them laugh and what makes them cry. Amen. Because that shows your values. If you laugh at sin, you don't take sin serious. If you're entertained by sin, you don't take sin very serious. But folks, and listen, I want to tell you, if you laugh at dirty jokes, you're not a good Christian. Say amen. What you laugh at and what you you cry about. Some people cry when their favorite team loses. You're investing too much in that team. Say amen. Because they will eventually lose. Amen. They're not perfect, but our Lord is perfect. Look at Matthew chapter 23. And I want you to look at um, verse uh, t- 37, please. The Bible says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and ye would not. Now Calvinists, you're going to have a hard time with that verse because it says they would not. And I want to tell you something, I can hear the cry O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, that stoneth them, which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children, crying, weeping. Folks, we should weep over sinners. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Because Jesus wept for me. Jesus sought me. And then let me say this, Jesus prayed for me. It's very simple this morning, but it's very, it's very needed. Folks, he urged others to pray that God would uh, send laborers into his harvest. He said the harvest is plenty, so the labors are few. Please. He's begging people to be missionaries. He's begging people to be preachers. He's begging people to be good deacons. But I want to tell you what he's begging every Christian to be: soul winners. Soul winners. Uh, Someone said, I believe it was George Truitt, said the greatest accomplishment on this earth is winning one soul to the Lord. The greatest achievement. And then I want you to know, and most important of all, fourthly, that Jesus died for sinners. Romans 5.8 says, God committed His love towards us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now folks, I want to tell you something. Don't ever think your soul's not worth something it's worth Jesus coming to this earth and dying for you. Amen? It's the price that was paid. A lot of people equate value with price or cost. Well, Jesus shed His blood, died, was buried, arose from the dead, ascended to heaven, never lives to make intercession for your soul. Not your body, not your emotions, but your soul. Folks, Christ died for sinners. Christ died and offered His life as an offering for souls. Folks, your soul is important because it was important to Jesus and He proved it by seeking, by weeping, by praying, but by giving His life for your soul. It's important. Apostle Paul cared for sinners so much in Romans chapter 9, He said, I would go to hell for my people. I couldn't pray that. If I had to give up heaven for anyone, I couldn't do it. Paul was praying, I I would be accursed that my people might be saved. What agony. He died carrying the gospel. He was going to um, Rome, and they all said, don't go to Rome. Man, they'll kill you up there. And I love this verse. And this is my life verse. This is my preaching verse. This is the verse God used to call me to preach. In Acts 20, 24, He said this, But none of these things moved me. None of the death, imprisonment. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was naked. He was destitute. And His own people turned on Him. Churches went awry. But it says, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with what? Joy. And the ministry, what's the ministry? Which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He didn't say His ministry was right half the New Testament or more of it. He didn't say His ministry was to preach. He didn't say His ministry was to build churches. He didn't say His ministry was to train other apostles. And all that is true but he said, my ministry is to witness or testify of the gospel of, of, of the grace of God. One soul. One person. The infinite value of one soul. When he was dying, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And I fin- I, I, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not only for me, but all, that, uh, all those that love him. He was about to have his head chopped off, and he said, I'm finishing my course. This is why I came. This is why I'm here to reach a Timothy. And he's writing to him in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 and 7. So souls are worth something. Souls are worth the whole world. One soul, your soul is worth Jesus leaving the splendor of heaven and coming to this whole earth and dying for your sins and paying your sin debt. That's worth something. Number two, souls are worth fervent searching. We get back to our chapter 15 of Luke. We see he gives three parables. The whole chapter is concerned about the matter of souls, the need of salvation. Jesus gave three parables, the parable of the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one, the one. Thank God for that. You know, I believe we ought to have a, a, a fervency about going after one person. There was a boat that was going downstream in Africa to the market. And everybody was bringing their um, vegetables and their fruit to sell at the market. Everybody's hands were full. And this one dear lady, she slipped off the ramp going to the boat She was going under, she was was drowning, and nobody, no one, even tried to rescue her. The captain was irate, and went out and started rebuking all the natives that had all their goods and all their uh, 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 produce that they were going to sell upstream. And says, why did not you jump in and save that lady that couldn't swim? They all, with one accord, said, because we might have lost our fruit. We might have lost our vegetables. We might have lost our crops. And before you judge those natives, how many times have we said, I can't go soul winning because i got to have overtime. I can't go soul winning because I'm tired from staying up all night watching the Braves Friday night. I can't come Saturday morning to soul winning visitation. Pleasure before soul." How many times have you said, well, that's somebody else's calling. And that's somebody else's uh, that can talk better and is not as shy as I am. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people sacrifice the immediate for the everlasting. And we ought to be like Jesus. Amen? Isn't that the ultimate goal? We ought to be like Jesus and say, hey, I want to reach souls no matter what the cost. And he, she, he left the 99. And the Bible says that he found the one. And what was his reaction? It says, come rejoice with me. You know what this church ought to be? It ought to be a place where we rejoice over people being saved. Amen? Amen? I mean, a little, little boy, a uh, little girl gets saved in Master Club, it ought to bring out a, a cheer over this whole church. Sound the trumpet. Sound the horn. Another soul's been saved. I love that song, choir. I wish y'all would pull that out of your repertoire. Jesus then told the woman having ten pieces of silver, said, you lost one, sweep the house, seek diligently until you find it. And when he found it, she urged others to come and what did she say? Rejoice with me, I found my coin. It was very important in the Bible days that a lady don't lose the coins that were around her neck. It was the only thing she could take after her husband divorced her. And They'd leave a woman in a second back in those days. Jesus had to correct that. And I want to tell you something, friend. Sometimes people are lost in the house. They're in church. Daryl Cox, Randy team they're a church member. They've been a church member for many years. And the Lord convicts them they're not really saved. And they have to dethrone pride and swallow pride and say, hey, listen, I'm not really saved and shock the whole church that a Sunday school teacher could get saved. Amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. Some preachers need to get saved and don't preach the word of God. Say amen. Thank the Lord, friend. Religion can send you to hell because you think you're okay and you measure up. But I want to tell you something. You'll never measure up. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross for you. He came to find that one lost coin. And I want to tell you something. You're worth something to Jesus. And when you get saved... You get to do the greatest thing you could ever do, and that's to live for God's glory. That's why you were born, Isaiah 43, 7. And so these parables, then the parable of the prodigal son, in verse 24, he says, hey, my son was dead, he's alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Folks, I want you to notice that there's two phrases here in all through these three parables. It's one, and until he found it. One, until he found it. Folks, we ought to care about one person. We ought to care about the infinite value of the individual, no matter who he is, no matter what color he is, no matter how rich he is, no matter how wise he is, no matter where he lives or where he has lived or what he can do or what he can do for us. We ought to be concerned about one soul, no matter who they are, because Jesus loves them, and Jesus died for them. We should never get past the one. Never get past it. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you shared the gospel this year? This is the 10th month, almost 11th, with one soul. One soul. I am I was praying yesterday afternoon, Lord, use that track in that goodie bag for one soul. Just one soul gets saved out of that. All that festival is worth everything. It's worth everything. One soul, one mama, one daddy getting saved, one child getting saved. Because Jesus gave his life for that one soul. That one soul. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And what's that all about? It's it's about the value, the value of a soul. The value of a soul. Do you count it? valuable your soul or are you throwing away the box or throwing away the diamond and keeping the box folks one soul and then in verse 6 and verse 9 and verse 22 through 24 we see that once that soul is found there is rejoicing and today one soul gets saved Ring the bell, sound the trumpet. I don't know what they have. I don't know if they have a bell or a trumpet. Maybe everybody just knows. there's a sweeping holy ghost comes across everybody in heaven, and they stop and they praise God. I wish they'd praise God more in heaven over one soul getting saved through this ministry, through our missionaries, one soul, one soul. You say, well, I hadn't reached many. Well, start with one. I hadn't shared the gospel. Well, start with one. Folks, there must be a going. There must be a seeking. And then praise God, when somebody gets saved, there is going to be a rejoicing. What makes you happy? And the greatest event in your life ought to be that you were influential in one soul getting saved. That one track that you gave at the store. That one track you gave at the restaurant. You know, I'm getting so tired of of um, waitresses promising they're going to come. I don't think I've ever had a waitress come in 20... Yeah, there's one back there. Amen. Uh, But thank God. Thank God. You know, we need to still leave a track on the table. Say amen. And we need to leave a tip with it. Say amen too. Praise God. Leave a penny. Don't put our track down there. Praise God. You ought to be generous and loving and kind and smiling. Uh, for one soul you ought to live a different life for one soul you ought to be faithful, seeking for one soul, you ought to be praying for one soul you ought to die to self for one soul, cause Jesus did it right. folks listen, you're just one soul aren't you glad that one soul is going to heaven amen, <laughs> amen. hey I don't know where I'd be this morning but I wouldn't be preaching, I guarantee you I'd probably be out of that crowd all night down in Atlanta, tomahawking, tomahawking and getting drunk and betting, amen? I'd probably be right in the middle of it because you know, sports is a thing for me and it can be too big a thing. But God saved me. And I can come to church this morning and say I'm on the winning side. Amen. And I'll never lose my salvation. Right. And thank God I'm going to heaven and not hell. That's pretty, that's pretty important, amen. amen? And thank the Lord, come on now. And folks, thousands and thousands of people worship other heroes when they ought to thank God for missionaries and thank God for preachers and thank God for the soul winner that won you. I remember every one of my Sunday school teachers before I was saved begging me to be saved. Mr. Lawrence, Billy Manning, Billy Kelly, those guys were in college and I looked up to them so much, not for their intellectual ability. One of them went to Georgia Tech and I thought, man, everybody has to be smart to go to Georgia Tech. Say amen right there, Joel. You know, oh, you got to be brilliant to go to Georgia Tech. No, I didn't go to Sunday school thinking they were brilliant because they went to Georgia Tech. I'll tell you why I thought they were brilliant. That they'd invest in a little son of a drunk on Sunday morning and teach me the Gospel and weep over me and take me on socials when my daddy wouldn't take me anywhere and remember my birthday and love me, and pray for me, and weep for me, and then praise God, reach me. A Sunday school teacher. Mr. Lawrence was so old, I think he was 68 years old when he was my Sunday school teacher. I thought, man, this guy's ancient. My word, he is so old. What's he doing teaching the junior boys' class? We're going to kill him! Just trying to keep up with us. And I was the head of the gang, praise God. You can... I ain't going to tell you, I, worked, I, I I was more energetic than Joanne Jones. I mean, I was energetic. I was hyper. They didn't have no pills to calm you down back then. <laughs> I should have said that. But anyway, <laughs> praise God, I was, a, I was the rascal of the class. And Mr. Lawrence always run me down and say, I'm praying for you. The day I asked the Lord to calm my life, He come down and He just wept all over me. And said, I'm glad one of my boys got saved this morning. It was his boys. Because it was his responsibility to love his junior boys. It wasn't his class. That's why we don't call classes classes right here. It's your ministry. To reach souls. To reach souls. To reach one soul. To reach one husband. To reach one son. To reach one mother. To reach one uncle. One aunt. One workmate, one neighbor. Folks, one soul's important because it was important to Jesus. And he gave a whole chapter on leave the 99, sweep the house, go out into the swamps and look for your prodigal son. Keep the light on. Thank God, not only does Motel 6 keep the light on, but praise God, the perfect father has his light on on the porch of right. pardon and salvation. And he saw him a great way off and he ran and hugged his neck and loved him. Gave him a robe and a ring and killed the fatted calf. And boy, were they happy. Except for the Pharisee elder brother that said, I ain't getting that attention. God help us never to think it's all about us. Folks, it's about souls. It's about souls. I got to close because y'all are losing your ability to concentrate after 30 minutes. Your soul's worth earnest consideration. Thirdly, don't get over being saved. Where did God find you? Where would you be today if God hadn't found and that's why you ought to be so excited about soul winning that you never lose your testimony. Right. That you're so concerned that you do one thing that a lot of Christians don't do, and that's speak. Oh, we'll speak about the Braves. I'm trying to restrain myself right now. I really am. I don't want, I don't want to talk about it. But I could talk about it. I could talk about the Georgia-Florida game, but I don't want to lose Randy Team as a member of our church. <laughs> He loves Florida so much. Oh, we talk about sports. We talk about money. We talk about weather. We talk about politics. Oh, you want to talk about politics? Get on Facebook. That's all you see. We talk about this, talk about that. Why can't we talk about Jesus? Why can't that be the concern of our soul? That one soul would get saved. One soul. A man was in a taxi and The taxi driver said, hey, did you hear about those boys that were in the rowboat and they're stranded and they're lost and they can't find them? And he said, no, I didn't hear about that. And he was a little half concerned. He said, did you get the names of any of the boys that were lost and might perish? He said, one of them's pulling," And that was his name. And that was his son. And all of a sudden, that man in the back of the taxi became real concerned because it was his son that was lost. And I want to tell you this, friend. Somebody's got an aunt, an uncle, a nephew, a niece, a husband, a wife, and they're real concerned. But what we need to do is get so spiritual we're concerned for them and with them. And we pray at the altar for their children. Folks, listen. It gets very personal when it's your family going to hell. It gets real personal when your husband's going to hell. It gets real personal when your wife's going to hell. It gets real personal when your children won't come to church and won't hear the gospel and are going to hell. It gets real personal. And Folks, I want to tell you something It ought to get real personal to us. Let them see the difference. It ought to be a concerning of your life. Let me just say this, folks, that your soul's very important. Number one, because of its designer. God created you. Psalms 139 says you're wonderfully and fearfully made. Folks, dogs don't go to heaven because they don't have a soul. That's right. Cats don't go to heaven. Even though I love to go to the pet land and see Silas, try to jump in there with them, and Mimi even bribes some of those dogs to come out, and we play in this little cubicle, and then we see the price is $3,500 for a Chihuahua, and we say, don't you even think about it. Amen? I've never seen a dog worth that in my life. But, you know, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a soul, according to the Word of God. Um. They don't have the age of accountability, you know, where they lo- realize they're a sinner. They just realize they're hungry. <laughs> Amen. I had a neighbor the other day jump me on the lawnmower and say, Can't you hear your dog barking? I said, No, I'm cutting grass. <laughs> and I've chained him to the, to the swing so I can open the gates and cut all the grass. He said, Well, if you don't do something about it, man, I'll tell you what. I'd say, He's a soul. He's a soul. I need a witness. Every moment, every day, you ought to have this concern. Because God created him to be saved. The highest level of creation is man and woman for God. And He created him, you for His glory and His purpose. And you cannot do that until you're saved. So you're living beneath your God-given privilege if you're not saved. Folks, a soul is, is wonderful because of its duration. Let me just say this. Every man and lady and boy and girl is going to live forever somewhere. Can somebody say amen? You're an eternal soul. You're an eternal soul. And when you die, you're either going to live in heaven or hell. Folks, that that makes you valuable. I would not buy a car if they said, well, listen, we're going to give you a guarantee of two weeks. Matter of fact, I bought some cars I wish they just gave me two days because I didn't even make it home. And I painted the thing l- l- lemon yellow. Amen. It was a piece of junk. And I saved up all my life to buy that piece of junk. But folks, listen, your soul's going to last forever. It's durable. Right. It's eternal. It's valuable. So you can make an eternal difference if you'll realize the in- infinite significance of one individual. Friend, your, your soul is valuable because of its demand. Jesus loves you. He longs for you. He desires you. The Creator of all Creator wants you in union with Him. And the only way you can become in union with Him is through Jesus Christ and His blood that was shed. Folks, listen. It's You're, you're not a grain of sand. You're a gem. There's nobody like you. Aren't you glad? Praise God. I mean, there's only one person like you. And I'm so happy about that. And you are too. I mean, there's not two of a kind. Maybe identical twins, but they got some different personalities. Oh, folks, let me just say this. It's eternal, tragic loss when a person gets into eternity and finds out they're lost tragic. That's why Jesus came to save your soul. I want you to turn and close to Isaiah 53, verse 6 and 7. Verse 10 and 11. Isaiah 53. Most powerful chapter in the Old Testament. You want to win a Jew to the Lord? Open up Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. And I want you to look at four verses and we'll we'll, we'll be out of here. Because your time's valuable. All of us got to go home and take a nap. But look at this. In Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, But he was wounded for who? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That has nothing to do with physical healing. That's spiritual healing. Look at this now. All we like sheep have gone astray. You know what that's saying? Every person in this room is a sinner. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. you got to get in on that first all, and you can get out of that with that second all. All have sinned, but praise God, all can be saved. But look at verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Go down to verse 10 to save time. Y'all in a hurry. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul, his soul, an offering for sin. You shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. That's the resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul. That's Calvary. 755 years before the fact, he's describing Calvary. He says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous service justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Folks, he was an offering. He offered his soul for your soul. He took your place. God loves you. God desires you. God has a burden for you. And salvation... When you get saved, we'll fulfill the very purpose you were born. A little boy was running down the beach and a man was trying to keep up with him several yards back and he couldn't do it, so he was walking fast. He always caught up with the little boy because every time he saw a starfish on the beach, he picked it up and he slung it back in the ocean. And after several Starfish were saved by this little boy. The inquisitive adult called him and said, Hey, listen, what are you doing? He said, I'm saving starfish. He said, you can't save all these starfish. There's thousands down this beach. You can't make a difference. The little boy reached down, picked up another starfish, says, I did in that one. And And he picked up another and said, I made a difference in that one. And folks, you can't reach all the starfish. You can't reach all the souls. Praise God, you make a difference in one. Amen. And I believe in the judgment seat of Christ, we'll hang our heads and say, you know, God gave me that one soul to reach. And I just overlooked it. And I got too enamored by the box. And I threw away the diamond of opportunity to reach that one soul. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the valuable, the infinite value of the infinite soul, the eternal soul. What a tragedy, what a disaster, what a catastrophe it'd be to see one of our friends, one of our loved ones, one of our family members suffer eternal death in hell because they were not concerned about one soul. Not concerned. Nobody told them, nobody cried over them, nobody prayed over them. Nobody went soul winning. Nobody gave them a track. Nobody cared. God help us to care for one soul. Thank you for dying for every soul. Thank you for dying for my unworthy soul. Thank you for salvation. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I mean, right now, God's placed on your heart one soul. One person. Just stand quietly to your feet as we close the service. Maybe some of you make your way to the altar and pray for that one soul. One soul. A son, a daughter. Maybe a soul that's out of the will of God. Why don't you come pray for them? You say, I won't do any good. Hey, don't doubt God. Pray. Uh, I'll give them 100 tracks. We'll plant some more seed in their heart. Come on. Come on. One soul. One soul a mother that's grieving, one soul. A little child that you have contact with, a customer at your store, your business, your boss, your relatives, your workmates, one soul, one soul. God wants you to reach that one soul before it's too late. One day they'll be so grateful you did. Because that one soul makes a difference for God's glory. Anybody else? How many say, Preacher, I know I'm a saved soul. I know that if I went to into eternity this day, you're not guaranteed you won't. I know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I know I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? All over this place. If you're not sure, don't raise your hand now. How many glad you're saved? Say amen. Amen. Several cannot raise your hand and you say, Preacher. Are you picking on me? No, I'm just concerned about your one soul. Your eternal destiny. You'd say, preacher, please pray for me. Because I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? Anyone? God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're just not sure. You might be religious, but most people in the South are religious. That don't mean you're saved. You might be a good person. Hey, most people are trying to be good. You don't try to be bad should need to be saved you need to have a time in your life where you can look back and say I trusted the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and I got saved Lord, please convict those that could not raise their hand with the surety that they're saved And God, we thank you for your eternal gift of salvation We pray to your God that come and let us show them the Bible how they can know for sure they're saved God, I pray that you'd use us as soul winners this week this month God, people are dying. People are dying suddenly. Some are dying without hope. Some are going to hell. God, we need to warn them. We need to love them. We need to pray for them. We need to seek and search and be concerned for their soul. God, give us a burden. In Jesus' name.